0: Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Job, the book of Job, and uh, you'll have to Just pray for me this morning. The Lord will help me to preach, and want to be a blessing to you, and want to be a help. And I really thank the Lord for the Sunday the uh, devotional time. Good morning, this morning devotional time, brother Ben brought a good devotion, and just reminded us of the grace of God, and, and that's what we. That's what's going to help us in these days. Just be reminded of God's amazing grace. Some people don't like this song, but I love this song. I know how I made it. I made it by grace. And uh, I know one pastor says it's a Calvinist song. Well, Well, I don't believe that. I believe any of us that quote make it will make it by God's grace. I made it here this morning by God's grace. I'll make it to heaven by God's grace It wasn't my great faith That I'll be standing up there Looking at everybody About how great faith I had It'll be the grace and mercy of almighty God It's going to help us through And he started the work He's going to finish it So don't you fail to remember that God is faithful So let's turn to Job And I don't know I don't Renew for Job chapter number one, and I I don't I think I may have at some time it could have been in the very beginning at some point preached some of this uh, first chapter so I don't think that that's quite necessary if you've been in church any amount of time you know you know some of what Job is suffering I don't think any of us know what we ought to know uh, I don't feel like I've ever grasped all that needed to be understood out of this chapter uh, I mean out of this book but I know enough to know that the Bible said we saw the end of the Lord and yes. the story of Job That's right. is that he's pitiful you know what that means don't you it don't mean now Hunter that don't mean like I use it towards you. Sometimes I look at you and say, You're pitiful. <laughs> That's not what it means. It means the Lord, I'm just kidding. It means the Lord's full of pity. That's right. Right? Amen. God knows what you're made of, and God, uh, there's no surprises to Him of what you are, what you're going to be, what you're not. And, um,. So God's still faithfully going to love you and deal with you. And what better person could God show uh, when I think about Job? And I'm just trying to fill my way out here a little bit. I, I want to go to another chapter. Um, so just uh, bear with me here a little bit. I'm going to think through some of this slowly. Um, what I, I guess in some ways, you know, what better place to see Uh, The pity and mercy of God Even in a man like Job I I don't understand why None of us I think really do understand why Um, This happens to Job I'll give the quick outline of the chapter And then probably move forward Uh, But um, the man was doing everything God expected him to do And I don't know if many of us in here could say that, could we? Um, So, Brother Crabtree, I've thought about this. I kind of expect things to come my way from the Lord because I deserve most of what I get. Uh, Most of it I bring on myself. So, it's no surprise to me. Uh, I don't enjoy it, but it's no surprise to me when the Lord's dealing with me because I just know there's something that I've done. And... um, What's bewildering to Job is that he just really can't figure out. He's not I don't think he ever says he doesn't deserve uh, to not have bad things happen to him. I think he makes that clear. Uh, you know, we've taken from the goodness of God, shall we not also receive? So I think he's not surprised at that. The, the more you read the book, the more you, you think you have it figured out, and the less you think you know that's going on in his mind. Um, but I know he begins to get frustrated um, I, he's going, We're going to get to chapter number 23 Talking about his bitter complaint that he has um, But let's look at the first chapter Most of us know this But let, let's just run this down quickly and Just get reminded um, of kind of where we are quickly uh, In the life of this man uh, Job, uh, Job chapter number one, we won't read the whole chapter. I'll try to just hit a few highlights here and just kind of give some ideas uh, of uh, what I want to look at in, in the later chapter. But there's uh, the man named Job in the land of Uz, his name was Job, that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and shewed evil. And so we can see that this is God's testimony of the man, right? This is not his testimony of himself. This is God's testimony. God, he's going to say further about just how, what a man Job was, right? So Job was a man that was perfect and upright, and he was a man that feared God, and he eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And so in the first verse, I'll give you this quick outline just quickly, but we see the person of Job, uh, considering Job's priorities uh, in his life. Uh, the father, his faith, his family, uh, and um, his wealth or his fortune uh, was at the very end of the priorities of Job's life. Uh, but we see he had integrity. He was a man that had integrity. He was perfect and upright. He eschewed evil. He feared God, which is the beginning of knowledge. Um, he avoided evil at all costs. He avoided and rejected anything uh, that God would be displeased with in his life. This is a good man, right? So we, we all know that. I'm just catching this so quickly here. Look at verse number 3. You see his pros, he was a prosperous man. We see his possessions in verse 3. Uh, we see his popularity. He was a prominent man. Uh, his substance was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 asses, and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So this was, uh, he had popularity in that sense of um, people knew who Job was for many reasons. I wouldn't say he was just his great household or just his great wealth, but I would have a pretty good idea. I mean, I think his friends bring this testimony in of his life. I think most everybody knew he feared God as well. Somebody read that verse, that the same will be known of you. Who read that? Was that you, Brother I man loved God. Or maybe that was you, Brother. mentioned it this morning. Um, when you 've been with God and you love God, and you walk with God, other people take note of that. I think others knew this about Job. I think they knew he was this kind of man, uh, even a lot like, we 're just reading about it right as history, but it 's this time, I think his popularity was not one of he 'll do anything to get a dollar he wasn 't popular because he wouldn 't pay his bills right. Some people are popular they 're popular for their own thing. <laughs> There's people I've never met in my life, but I know a lot about them, and it ain't good. Every time you talk to somebody about them, it's something bad. Uh, I don't want to be popular like that. Do you? I'd rather be popular and known for walking with God, loving God, loving people. Uh, I'd rather have that testimony uh, any day of the week. And some, at least somebody can say, well, he's ugly, but he loves the Lord. Well, I'll take it. Amen. And uh, I was just glad Amber didn't amen that this morning. All right, so we see this man, we know his popularity, his possessions, we see his person, his integrity, uh, we see his prudence. He was a praying man in verse number five. It's a man that prayed, and um, if we're going to do anything in this hour for God, my goodness, how we ought to be praying. And it was so in the days of their feast that were going about, Job sin sanctified them, rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And thus did Job continuously, continually. So he had a steadfast, disciplined character. He was a man of prayer. Uh, He recognized what sin could do in the hearts of his sons. He recognized that uh, sin would destroy their life, and he rose up early, not just for himself, but he got up for his family. He loved his family. And can I say this? If we're going to have any hope for our family, for our children, uh, we can get them around good influences. We can put them under good preaching. We can put them... Uh, and give them all kinds of opportunities like that. But if we're not going to be faithful to take time to pray for our children, uh, all the programs that we do for the young people, none of that might work. But I'll tell you what will work. Prayer will work. Praying for your children will work. Uh, God will move in their life. Do you believe that? Or do you believe prayer is just a commandment of an exercise we need to go through like a like a like a cleansing somehow? I think we look at prayer uh, somehow as a duty and not a possibility. I see prayer as a possibility, do you? Yes. I mean, I've seen many times in this Bible men prayed and things happened in the heart of God. You can say well they we're not going to get into that discussion about whether they changed God who knew what tomorrow was going to be anyway. I don't want to talk about that with you. Uh, But we do know God purposed to do something and He didn't do it on the prayers of people. Is that right? Is that what the Bible said? So uh, we better believe God. If we're going to have any hope for our children we better believe God, get up early and pray. Let's not be shocked if our kids don't turn out right and we're not praying for them. And say, well, they knew better. Well, they may have, but I wonder what happened if we'd have been faithful to pray. Amen. Yes. Boy, we need to pray. Yes. We won't make it as a church if we don't pray. Amen. Individually, corporately, we need to pray. God's people need to be praying. Is that a commandment or a suggestion so that things will go the way you want them to? Right? That's a commandment. Yeah. I will that all men pray everywhere. Yes. Right? Right? Pray without ceasing. I don't care what results you're not seeing. Don't quit praying. Might be right around the corner what God's going to do for you. Don't quit praying. And I've said it before, but I, I don't know. I'm probably going to ramble again today. But I prayed for at least 10 years from the time God called me to preach. I wanted to be in the full time in the ministry. It's what I wanted for my life. I wanted to pastor full time. I can't tell you the things that I went through and just thought God would never allow that to happen. Because I don't deserve to be able to serve here full time and just live for God as a pain. You know what a blessing. You know many preachers pray and wish they could pastor a church where the church supported them. And financially and emotionally and spiritually where they could be full time. It's a blessing. It's an honor. And that's what I wanted with my life prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and man, God answered my prayer. God answered my prayer. And uh, so I'm telling you, it's just, um, you you never know who can tell what the Lord's going to do. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. And so he did it continuously, continually, excuse me. And he prayed faithfully. And I think he prayed uh, steadfastly as well took it very serious. So, uh, we see that he is a praying man. We see his prudence. Verse number 6, we see his persecutor or his prosecutor. Uh, I've got both written down. You can take whichever one you like. But when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And so I just want to remind you quickly, again, I don't want to preach this chapter, I just want to remind you quickly, uh, before we get to verse number 23, where all this problem begins. The problem begins not with a man, this problem begins with his great adversary. So just remember what you're going through, who's behind it, and don't get bitter at what you see play out in front of you. Remember who's behind all of this. Satan came accusing, and he's your accuser, is he not? He's accuser of the brethren. There's going to day he's going to be bound up and cast in a lake, and I say hallelujah for the day when we're in heaven enjoying Jesus for eternity with no Satan, no accuser of the brethren, right? And uh, so that's how this thing begins, and the trouble that becomes into his life uh, started because Satan was, in my opinion. I believe he was charging God and he was telling, saying, God, people only love you because you do good for them. If you stop doing good for Job, he'll, he'll, he'll turn on you, right? That's what his charge was. He's charging God with buying people's love is what he's doing. That's pretty, pretty harsh charge, isn't it? Yeah. Saying, God, you just, them people love you. Hey, let's let not let that be true. Remember when Jesus turned to the disciples and said, will you go away also? They just followed me because they were filled with the loaves and the fishes. That's the only reason they came. Are you going to go away too? I hope we're not following Jesus for what we're getting out of him. I hope we're not willing to turn on him when some of the blessings dry up. The only way to know is to dry them up. Isn't that sad? But that's our flesh. I hate water. I hate it. I love Mountain Dew. My kidneys don't agree with that. But I hate water. Who in the world wants to sit around and drink that? You got to be plumb crazy to enjoy drink water. No, I'm kidding. I, I just don't like water. You know, it's just bland. I don't. But you get me thirsty enough. And I can promise you, I'll drink plenty of this water. Right? So, unfortunately, to, to trying of your faith, being much more precious than go to the parishes, which we know is pretty much the context of what's being dealt with here, but just don't remember and get, get upset with God uh, when, when God's doing has a purpose in your life for what He's doing, right? There's, there's, there's a reason for what He's doing. And um, you might, you might uh, uh, tell you one thing you'll dig in them scriptures when, the, when things get dry on you. You'll be, you, you, you go through a desert and you'll start looking for water. Right? So, there's one man said, I believe desire is the earth what sight is the heaven. So God's answer to our prayer would be more desire, would it not? If that's the design of the age. Because with what we're to be satisfied with is in the world to come, not here. And there ought to be a desire in our hearts and a a yearning and a seeking in our hearts for that well that is to come, that city that is to come. And not be satisfied with what's down here. So oftentimes, the best thing God can do for us is to work more desire into our life. Is it not? Because you shouldn't be satisfied with anything else here. What happens when we have no desire for God, when we're not thirsty, when we have no water, when we're not, uh, 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 it's the silence that causes the knocking, right? It's It's the drying that causes the thirsty that shall be filled. And so the best thing in our life sometimes that God can do is to work more desire into our life. Well, how do you work desire into the life of a person who's satisfied with something else? You got to draw all that up on him, don't you? Yes. Right. We're faithful fathers. Is our father not faithful? Maybe. Maybe you say, "Well, why is all this falling in around me?" Hey, that may be the best thing that's ever happened to you. I've heard men say and come testify. I, I know. I know two. I know two for sure. I know one that I don't know personally, but I know about the story. Lost everything he had, and his testimony was the best thing that ever happened to me. So once you're going through right now you think it's so terrible, why don't you remember the times when it's going good and you seem to forget God? This may be the best thing that's ever happened to you is God has worked some desire into your life by allowing some affliction and some tragedy so that you'll look up. Is that what the saying is? Sometimes God will put you on, the, on your back to get you to look up. We pray for people to get saved. seems like they get worse. What's happening? God's answering our prayer. He's knocking all the props out from underneath them. You ever watch that? You start praying God save a man and his life will just start falling apart around it. (laughs) Sad thing is God's got to do us the same way. We are easily spooled rotten. And I don't enjoy it no more than you do. What I'm trying to encourage us here this morning is is that we can still have the victory in and through these afflictions. And I know the ones that we're all thinking of in the verses in chapter number 1, but we're going to go to another chapter. And so I, I just want to encourage you in that. I, I, don't, I don't want you to, I, I, Jesus never hid discipleship uh, like kind of like a, a car commercial. And, glah, 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 and they're at the very end. That's the most important stuff. Remember how they do, used to do that? Well, I know you good badgers ain't never watched TV, but... Back when I was lost, is what, I, is what I'm saying. And what they'd do at the end of them commercials, they'd say, "Oh, for 2000 dollars you get," And then they'd hide in for, you know, if you slowed it down for 8,000 more dollars in fees, because we had to drive the car here, that's what you'd hear, in the, if you slowed it down. it's like, man, I wouldn't have signed up if I'd have known all the stuff you said fast. I didn't understand. Jesus didn't do that. He said, just like Brother Ben read this morning, he said, in this world you shall have tribulation. He didn't hide that from anybody. The world's going to hate you because it hates me. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have sorrow. You're going to have heartache. And that is what you need to expect out of the Christian life. As far as the things concerned around you. But what he can do in you is just nothing short of miraculous, right? And that's what set the world on fire. Ben was mentioned this morning. It wasn't that they went in there and did. It wasn't just the miracles. It wasn't just the miracles that they did. Remember the Jews sought after a sign. A wicked generation seeketh after a sign. They were a sign people. And that's why in the book of Acts you have all that. When Jesus is transitioning, and Acts is a transition book, transitioning them out of those Acts of the apostles and to walk by faith and not by sight. Is that what was happening in Acts? That stuff still ain't around. I don't care who gets on TV and starts going like that and people fall over. It's all garbage. It's junk. Don't even watch it. It's full of the devil. Oh, you say, well, the spirit's not in it. A spirit is in that. It's just not one I'm very familiar with. It's not the spirit. And uh, so, uh, and that uh, what, what has stood out, the mark uh, that has stood out in the minds of the world is how Christians are able to endure afflictions as good soldiers. How, how we're able to suffer the things that we suffer, yet do it with joy. Do it with thankfulness in our heart. That's, that's amazing to me, right? If, if all the world suffers, we're not alone in this. Lost people suffer too, right? But they nobody that suffers like a Christian can suffer. I know some Christian, you can call my netta right now. Her eye is matted shut on this side. She can't even see out of it. She sat in the hospital there a week or two ago for eight, nine hours in the emergency room with a heart attack. Ended up going home. She's still sick, stays sick, had COVID. Now her other eye is matted shut. Uh, her, her daughters, other than my mother, have basically completely abandoned her. They're waiting on her to die so they can get her money. That's how families are. Don't be shocked by that. And uh, that's, all, that's all they're fighting about is how much they can get out of you. And they just, you're, a, you're an inconvenience, and they're waiting for you to move on a lot of time. And bless her heart, you can call her up, and you know she's hurting. She's having all these problems. You can call her up. You could not get her to talk about her problems. She wants to know every time I call her, how's your church doing? That's all she wants to talk about. Man, that, 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 just, that does something for me. That, that, that just helps me because I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, why would you let such a faithful servant suffer this way? Why, well, she's not suffering in the way that I'm thinking she is. She's got joy and peace in her heart and all that. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, we learning how to suffer is, um, is uh, something we need to take note of. And so uh, we know Job and, and how he uh, handles this and his his accusation against God, really, is how it began. And I think he knew, I think God already knew he'd been eyeing Job, wanting to take him out, because uh, he was remembering, he said, well, You know, where have you been? I've been to and from the earth. And uh, that's what he's doing, seeking whom he may devour, right? And uh, so, uh, look at verse number 9. You see how uh, Satan is perplexed. And then we go to verse number 10. Uh, Look at verse number 10. You see Job's great protector. Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he had on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Boy, he hit the nail on the head there, didn't he? He was exactly right. Job had what he had because he had a great God. And all of it was God's. None of it, belo- Job owned none of it. His own words tell us that. Job said, fine, God, it was yours that gave it. and Fine, if you want not take it away, it all belongs to you anyway. Boy, that's a, that's a good spirit to have, isn't it? That's a hard spirit to develop, but we better have that mind because everything we own belongs to God. The children he's entrusted us with are his. Right, He's given us wives to love and to cherish. Is that what the Bible said to do? To love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify it. And then we take oaths before God and before people and say that we'll love them and cherish them till death do us part. Young men, you looking up here? Ladies are not to scream at. They're not to belittle. They're not to be mistreated. They're not to be misused. Taken advantage of. They're a gift from the Lord. And I'm not trying to say that as some great authority like... I've done the bestest of jobs with it, but I, since I've been saved, I've done my best to try to love my wife. They're a gift from God. And shame on any man that will belittle and scream and holler and tear down and abuse his wife. You know what would scare me about that? It would scare me about, I'd be scared to death. That's what God would do to me. God's a God of justice. So don't be, don't be surprised if that's the way you treat your wife, if that's not how God's going to do you sometime. Everybody okay? I don't ever want to hear that, especially out of you young people. Young ladies. If you get and you, you, really, I'm against dating completely, completely. I'm against it, a hundred percent. Don't even come to me and ask, because I, I don't. That's from I'm. I am one hundred percent against it. There's nothing good that's going to come of it. Amen. But. I want to say this. If you get and you start involving yourself with a young man and he's screaming at you and belittling you and hollering at you and calling you names and mistreating you, what you need to do is politely hang up the phone and never speak to him again. Get as far, because I can promise you it will not get any better. That's right. Amen. It's not going to get better. I'd get away from that. Now, maybe he'll get better. Maybe God will whoop him and belittle him a while, and he'll, he'll get over that. Maybe God will save him, whatever needs to happen. But I would not stay in any kind of, quote, relationship with any young man who was going to act that way. I don't care how pretty they are. Boys aren't pretty, but that's what I'm going to say because I can I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how nice they've learned to act in front of your parents because they go to a good church and they have a pastor. If you think for a second that some kid going to church impresses me, that don't mean nothing. I know a bunch of devils that go to church. Amen. I'm sorry. I got teenagers and it just stays on my mind. So y'all just bear with me here. Young men, love these young ladies. Be good to them. Keep your hands off of them. Don't talk down to them. Does anybody see a pattern in the Bible that God put a woman in a man's life to somehow for him to use to the end of somehow making, satisfying his evil desires? Does anybody see any of that in the Bible? I don't. What I see is the Bible said it wasn't good for a man to be alone. God caused him to fall asleep, took him his rib, made him a woman, give him a help Give him somebody to love. Give him somebody to love him. Boy, thank God for a wife. Thank God for you young ladies. But don't get don't get Deceived by your idea of what you want to happen. Can, is it okay to talk? I know this ain't a big shouting message this morning, but just bear with me a second here. It's, it's the biggest fear in my heart. I, I I know how deceptive people can be, and I'm just I worry myself to death about you young girls, and. Young ladies can I use this word dream? Is that not the exact word I want to use, but you young ladies are more dreamers. You you have this picture of what this home's gonna be like and what you want life to be and how he's going to be, that you're almost willing to look past anything and somehow thinking that that's a, somehow this dream's going to come true in spite of all the evidence around you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Well, I know he just gets angry and I know he screams and he punches a hole in the wall. But you know, once I get him married and we have kids, he's going to calm down. You are a fool. Amen. Yes, amen. It's liable to be your face he punches a hole in next time. Are you crazy? So you have to be careful. Be careful. Just follow the will of God and the mind of God and, and don't, don't let your idea of what you want and what you desire distract you from the facts that are around you. If you look close enough at a man you will see what he is. Unless you have an idea of what you want him to be. And then you blindly walk past all of those facts that everybody else can see around you except for you. And I know it's difficult. You get in these situations, you get blinded by what you're you're wanting things to be. But that's why God gives you parents that love you and give you a good family and give you a pastor that loves you and give you the Holy Ghost to let you know when them warning signs go off. Was a young man, I'd back off and I wouldn't do nothing. Amen. I'd let the peace of God rule in my heart. I would not ever, 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 ever jump on out there and just hope for the best. <laughs> just get the peace of God and let it rule in your heart. Okay, young ladies? We ought to give the young men a little chit-chat, too, probably a little bit. Maybe give them a little chit-chat. Because I'm kind of hard on men. But they some ladies just as wicked and low down and no good as some men are. So don't let me forget that part. None of them in here. None of them in here. I love you ladies. Right, Tammy? But hey, you young men, you got to do the same thing. There's warning signs that go off all around. Don't ignore all of that because what you want to happen. If you try to, to manipulate the situation and try to present that person to your parents in the best light, you know good and well what they're capable of because you deal with them in private on a cell phone, right? So if he's already asking you for pictures and you're already involved in that kind of mess, let's not get embarrassed in here. That stuff goes on. Let's not act stupid like we don't know. That stuff goes on in a church as much as it goes on in the public school. I've seen it happen in Christian schools. And so if he's already a pervert, let me explain something to you. In 10 years, it'll blow your mind what he'll be. If he's already involved in pornography... Just imagine what it will be like 20 years from now. And he will try to involve you in everything that he's watching on that screen. So what I'm saying is, that's an alarm bell that's going off. If, that, if you don't have a young man that's seeking after God and seeking the will of God for his life, I wouldn't even consider even speaking with him. Amen. Right? Now you're not going to find one perfect. But there's a lot of these things that are very serious. You don't want to live a life. I know people you can go talk to. You don't want to live in a home with a violent man who beats a woman. You don't want to raise children in an environment like that. You don't want to raise a family in an environment with a man who's perverted and can't be satisfied. You don't want to raise a family like that. Everybody okay? Is that is that okay? And I'm not. I'm, so I'm just trying to give you a little warning here. Somehow from Job. <laughs> somehow from Job is teaching us this morning to make sure we marry right. Hey, it's on my heart. I'm telling you. I don't. I'm not trying to. Please don't think I'm trying to. But this is just something God does. I love these kids like they're mine. Almost all of them I think about all the time. Worrying about them, what they're doing, what's going to happen to them. I worry about them all the time. And uh, some of you are at the age where you're going to start beginning to think about these things. And what I want to exhort you to do is have a real clear understanding of one thing. Young men, I want to say this. And I've said it before, but I want to remind you, young men, again. I wish I could speak, not as a pastor, for just a minute. As a daddy, if somebody hurts that little girl right there, right? How do you think God feels about vulnerable women that He's placed in your life and your wife and what you mistreat them? How would you daddies like to pull up to a house where your daughter is married to the man and he's in there screaming or cussing or calling her names, throwing stuff and hitting her? How Would you just stand there and say, well they are kind of in an argument right now. We'll just kind of... You'd probably break the door down and, and ask for forgiveness later not permission. Probably what you do. So God is no, I, I believe this with all of my heart. God has entrusted us men with these ladies to love them. And we, I'm telling you, I think there would be swift, corrective action from the hand of God for mistreating a young lady. Amen. And here's one of the ways you can mistreat her. You can start robbing her of her purity. That's right. Amen. Say, well, she was willing to do it. Yeah, after you uh, said all that you said to her. If you care anything about her, then you want her to remain as holy as she can possibly be to please the Lord. Is that true or not? Amen. So, ladies, there's a warning sign. If he starts doing stuff like that, which, stay away from him. Num- number two, young men, and I don't care, any excuse in this world, please don't get yourself in a place. And you can, you can see this in people if you'll, if you'll really watch them. And be careful. Because see what some people will do is out in public, men will put up with so much and they won't do anything about it publicly. And most of them are cowards. And so they're such cowards that publicly they they, they they won't ever lash out. But then when they get home where they can get away with it and they can get by with it, that's when they'll start beating and becoming violent and belittling and emotionally just tear you all to pieces. That's because they're a coward. Don't fool with a young man that can't control his emotion. If he's violent and he's angry and he's full of rage, that is not somebody you need to be around. Amen. And I don't care if he wears a suit, if he goes to church, I don't care if he's a preacher's kid, I don't care who he is. Now somebody's going to have to get me back to Job. I just think a lot about this stuff. And what spurred my mind was this word protector. Protector. And that's what we are as daddies, but men, that's what we're supposed to be to our wives. We're supposed to be their protectors, aren't we? Amen. So God help us. God help us to do that. And I know not every woman makes that an easy job. I understand that. But let's just do our best to love these young ladies and to love these women that God's put in our lives, to cherish them uh, like we promised God that we would do. And... Um, So, we see God, uh, Job's great protector. Goodness, I'm moving too slow. We see the permission that was given, the protector's permission, verse number 12. And then let's move on down um, and see kind of where things leave us to where we'll go to verse 23, chapter 23. Uh, Look at verse number 20. So, Job arose and he rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. I just can't get away from that thought, this morning. I'm not meddling. I'm not trying to meddle in anybody's business at all. It's not my place to do that. My burden really this morning is, is right now, is just, if any young man in this country Ought to know how to treat a woman, it ought to be young men in fundamental churches. Amen. Amen. We get attacked for oh women can 't well just because just because the Bible said a woman can 't preach doesn 't mean i, I don 't know why that people make those statements well that you won 't let a woman do well that how well, the world attacks our churches like that, that there 's nothing further from the truth i, I don 't know where they come up with that stuff, but it 's untrue young men. If there, if, there ought, if there ought to be anybody that we want our young daughters to marry, it ought to be a good Bible-believing, fundamental, King James Bible-believing, Baptist young man that loves God. that has learned by example that women are no less. They're not, and learn how to love them and treat them and cherish them and take care of them. That's your job. Now, I know the women's live movement say men don't need nobody to take care of them. So, when somebody's out there beating on them and they start that, just walk off because you, you don't want to mistreat her. She's equal, just as strong and capable as a man. I'm kidding. But we don't, we don't need uh, young men. Listen. If you're having problems controlling your anger and you're screaming and yelling and belittling women, you need to do everybody a favor. And if you care anything about her, you need to get away from her, number one. And then number two, you need to get some help. And when I get out of this suit, and we'll go to the old church building, I won't won't do it in here, but I'll be happy to give you some one-on-one counseling if your parents will sign a waiver. And I'll beat the absolute tar out of you. And get up and preach next Sunday. It won't bother me a bit. I'm not trying to sound mean, sound tough. I'm, I, I'm being honest with you. There's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. I wouldn't be around any man who's going to treat me like that. Do you really think that's what God wants for your life? God loves me so much that He came, became a man, in the likeness of of sinful flesh, and came and died for you to take you to heaven because He loves you. And faithfully, every single day meets with you, watches over your life, knows the steps that you take. Everything that God does for you, all that it costs God to purchase your soul, and you think He wants you to get married to a man and He put in your life that's going to belittle you and scream at you and take your purity away from you. If you believe that, you're dumber than you think. No way would, God, would that be the will of God for your life. God loves you too much to put somebody like that in your life. Amen. No way would God put a man in your life that would treat you that way. Amen. So don't ignore all the warning signs that are going on. And when you see that stuff and quit getting this idea that I got to have somebody now. If I don't take them now, I'm going to end up not having nobody. That's the devil's lie to get you to make a mistake. Amen. The devil is lying to you to try to get you into a marriage that you don't belong being in. Am I telling it right? Amen me, Amber. Come on now. Make you pay that dollar back. (laughs) Well, I'd like to hear some testimonies. Miss Rosie this morning, what it's like to have a godly man that loved you and cherished you. Is that what you had? Yes, you did. Boy, that's the kind of life that these ladies deserve to have, just to be loved and be cherished, to be cared for and say, well, you're not married to my wife. (laughs) Well, Thank God. (laughs) I don't know what I would do with her either. (laughs) But does it trouble you a little bit? Love them. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Not just to that end. That's just the purchase. Right? That's just the marriage. But the next part of that that he might sanctify. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That that that's a that's a personal daily interest in the life of that individual to a particular end. That's not see. The, the end game is not just getting married. It's then our job to take that marriage and develop that marriage and develop our wives and our families and our children and they might be sanctified. Amen. See, I've always believed that the sanctification of my wife depends largely upon me. Yes. Because I believe that's what them verses are saying. Yes. Amen. So, young ladies, if I can just encourage you... You think sometimes... You know what I've seen some of them do, Brother Reed? I've seen them do this. Out of fear, they'll start dropping their standards. Now, what I mean by that is not the way some people think about standards. I'm not talking about dropping your standards as, you know, you're going to have to get somebody a little uglier. I'm talking about godly, spiritual standards in your life. Yes. And I would die alone before i compromise and live in hell on earth in a home with a man that does not know how to love and treat a lady. Amen. And you know, you know where you can first find that? Can I help you young ladies or something? The first, one of the first things you look for. Where's the other young ladies? I'm just sick of looking at you all. I'm going to look back to here a little bit. Just kidding. One of the first places you can look at is watch how he treats his mother. Is that right, Brother Tony? You watch how that man treats his mother and if he'll scream at his mother and he'll belittle his mother, I'd run like the wind. Amen. Amen. He won't treat you no different than he treats his mother. Maybe worse. Everybody okay? Amen. Young men, they're a gift from God. That's what a young lady is. Amen. It's not somebody to use. It's somebody that God's put in your life and this is what Job, and this is what I don't know, maybe Job is just so convicting to me because of how much he loved his family. If my wife would have told me to cuss God and die, I probably would have packed her bags and sent her back home to her mother. Now that's kind of how I mean. I, could you imagine that? Hey, it's easy to serve God when you've got a wife that's urging you on to be all you can be for God. But this man so loved his family, loved his wife. I'm not even convinced 100% his children were doing right. You read them verses, I'm not 100% sure. And and, and he even had a fear in his heart, lest maybe, I don't know for sure, there's something going on here, and maybe they've cussed God in their heart. That's how much this man loved his family. And when he turned around, he said, look, boy, you're speaking like a foolish woman. Hey, I think sometimes we, we, we overlook, again, so our priorities, remember we started in that 2 Corinthians 4, and we looked at our priorities being bringing glorify, glorifying God and, 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 and getting the gospel out. Well, at any point that, that, that any of that causes your family to suffer, you're doing something wrong, right? If, 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 you're, if your supposed standards are making you a cruel, mean, hateful, rude, unhappy, unsatisfied person, and you lash out on your family because of your standards are making you miserable, hey, you you got a whole lot more problems than the standards. I've seen people do that. They're trying to live up to a measure somewhere, and they can't live up to it, and they get so frustrated they take it out on everybody else. Most most of the time, that's what happens in a man's life. And when he's taking it out on everybody else, he's unhappy with himself. But this man, Job, loved his family, prayed for his children, loved his wife, and was enduring affliction that he never caused. So that's not fair. No, it's not, I don't guess. In our eyes. Now, we know all that. And I don't guess God's going to let me. So maybe tonight. I just was trying to set the kind of the stage of what this man's going through. So turn to chapter number twenty three. Just trying to mind the Lord. I don't know if I need to go back and try to help some. Here, here, here's just a little bit of what I, but I was reading, I believe in Deuteronomy, I, this morning, I can't Well, I I can't think of the chapter, so you have to forgive me. But I was thinking Ezra this morning. I was reading. You know, he he had he had a law for those that sin in ignorance, and there was a law for those that sin in willful rebellion. Now I'm going to wrap it up because I'm I'm not I've missed chapter 23. But he had a law for those that was different, those that sinned in ignorance, and even the stranger that sinned in ignorance, as opposed to those that knew and willfully rebelled there was different punishment for them, different law for them. I can't remember the chapter I was reading that in, thinking about it. And so I guess what I'm trying to say um, to some of you young people in here this morning is to try to help you. Um, there, there's going to be things nobody is perfect right you're not going to find a perfect mate or you will die alone there's going to be things about that person that are going to develop over time they're, they're, they're going to be tried they're going to, they're going to, they're going to get in situations in, in their jobs and, 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 and man there's going, life's going to hit right and what you thought you knew about them you may find out some things that are kind of shocking to you anybody know what I mean here as you get in 20 years into a marriage, 30 years into a marriage, some of you have been married longer than that. And you know more and more about that person the longer you spend with them, the time you spend with them. But you can't learn everything there is to know about a person before you, in that courting period before. So there's going to be things that you can't help. There's going to be things when you get into that marriage that things are going to happen. It's called Life. Right? And it's one thing not to know any better and not to have any idea and you get into a marriage and and, and you think something's one way and then only to find out they've been a fraud the entire time. I mean, that's one thing. That's ignorance, right? But to go headlong into it when they're giving you every single warning sign that needs to be seen that there's no way this is the will of God. Why would you jump headlong into something like that? Right? When there's nothing but signs all around you, there's not a single thing that's pointing in the direction that would remotely resemble the will of God, why do you still battle against it? In this utopian idea of somehow it's just going to turn out all right. You're like a Democrat sometimes. Some of these young people are like Democrats. They just, well, how are you going to pay for all the college for these kids? Right, we're just going to do it. It's just going to magically happen. <laughs> yeah, magically happened on all of our backs when they tax us at 60%. <laughs> it won't be magical. <laughs> well, that's going to get me in trouble, I'd say. But that's okay. It was worth it. It felt good to say it. Amen. So, what I'm saying is, when you have the peace of God ruling in your heart... I'm not saying there won't be trials. I'm not saying there won't be afflictions. I'm not saying there won't be things. But, but when your life is filled with confusion, and, and I, I have seen women that have literally been beat to the point of emergency room visits, I've, I, and I have seen them belittled to the degree they have no confidence, they feel worthless and useless, and that is not the way God intended you to live. And it's one thing to get in a situation like that. Unknown, but when you, when you full well know and everything's pointing in that direction and there's nothing but confusion that surrounds that circumstance in your life. What does the Bible say? God is not the author of. It's not confusing. The will of God is never. It's as plain and as simple as. And it's right, the will of God, there is just enough peace in your heart. You won't have any doubts about it. I'm not saying it's easy to always know what that is in every single situation of your life, but I promise you something as important as marriage. God will put peace in your heart and He'll surround that entire relationship with the peace of God and it won't be massive confusion and misery and pain and heartache and screaming and and sin. That is not the definition of a something that a relationship that should lead to a marriage. And you are a fool to run headlong into that and do it anyway. Amen. And so, thank you Job. And maybe tonight we'll look at chapter number 23, but it's time to go home. That's just what was on my heart this morning was to give you chapter 23, but the Lord just... I guess seeming otherwise. So there's just an urgency laid upon me for some reason just I cannot get away from trying to. I, I, young people, please. Please trust your mom and dad. Please trust those that pray for you, those that are around you, those that are trying to help you. Please trust them. Don't lean on your own understanding. Pray, get the peace of God in your heart or I'd get away from it. Amen. Okay. So Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you for helping us. Help our young people. We're blessed here with so many good young people, Lord. I I believe that. It's all my heart. And um, some have already made decisions, Lord, that are taking them out of the way. They're maybe already in the hog pen already. And for them, Lord, I pray that you'd show yourself. As you've always proved yourself, forgiven iniquity into thousands, full of mercy, compassion, and more than ready to receive them back into your house. And then, those, Lord, that may be struggling with decisions that need to be made, and such an exciting and important time in the lives of these young people, please, Lord, let there be clear vision and clear peace be given to the lives of these and hearts of these parents and young people. Lord, we're desperate for you. We need you. So please help them. Help all of us, Lord, to do a better job, to love our wives as men. to Be good to them. And to cherish them, Lord. We make no excuses for where we've failed in that area of our life. We ask you to forgive us and help us to be an example to these young men of how to love and to cherish the wife that you gave us. We love you. Thank you for your love and forgiveness for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And stand to your feet just a moment. We'll have a verse. And if you need to come, we'll. the altars are open for you if you need to come.